Welcome to the Informed Pregnancy and Parenting Podcast. I'm your host, pregnancy-focused chiropractor, Dr. Elliot Berlin. My guest today is a Southern California native, and she's preparing for the birth of her third baby. She's an award-winning brand strategist who, while growing her career, simultaneously experienced a journey through motherhood that is a powerful showcase of female strength and resilience. We'll talk about her previous pregnancies and birth experiences and her wish for a vaginal birth after two cesareans any minute. Kara Sutton, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. What an introduction. Yeah, I'm known for my introductions. I mean, I could have gone on for hours about you, but let's jump right in. First of all, how many weeks are you now? I'm 39 weeks and two days. I mean, I'm feeling contractions when you say that. <laughs> Cramping. Very pregnant. Most, Yeah. Wow. 39 weeks and two days. Let's go back to the beginning. You're Southern California. Where did you grow up? Born and raised in Orange County and then went to USC for college and have been in LA for the past 10 and a half years or so. Yeah. And just never, never left. So what'd you study? I studied communication at the Annenberg School of Communication at USC. Are you a very good communicator? I don't think so, but I am good at communicating on behalf of brands. So Ah, okay. <laughs> so then what did you do right after graduation? Started working at TBWA Shiat Day, which is like a famed LA ad agency that was sort of known for doing the Apple ads, those famous like 1980s Apple ads. Mm. So yeah, worked um, there and thought I'd have a really big career right out of college and was answering the phones for a bit. So that was fun. Oh, that's uh, communication. Yes, it was great at directing calls and accepting packages. So very humbling position, but it gave me a lot of access to seeing all the different roles within branding and advertising. So I mean, as you were answering phones and accepting packages, was it growing on you? Like, yes, this is definitely what I want to do. Did you hesitate? I loved it. And I loved the creativity and the energy of it. And then I went into media buying and planning for CBS television. So they were a client of one of the media buying arms of the agency. So I really enjoyed it a lot, and I loved all the different people that I was meeting. So, yeah, so fresh out of college, I kind of stuck with it. So, Well, I sort of feel like your work on Apple has taken off. Brand awareness is high. Thank you so much. (laughs) It's great. If anybody's looking for branding, (laughs) you have clear success. Mastered it. (laughs) Now, where has your career gone since then? Um, I worked a little bit on Patron Tequila. I worked on Netflix. I did the advertising for Narcos and Stranger Things, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Worked with Target for a long time on a couple of different fashion brands there. Started my own agency in 2019 called Always Friday. And then have most recently been working on a menopause brand that's at Ulta Beauty called Woman S. And so a bunch of different brands in between there, but I'll spare you all of the details. Well, I mean, I've heard of all the companies that you mentioned. You've done well for everybody. And I'm trying to picture that all together, uh, Patron and Menopause. I don't know how it, it must all. And Kimmy Schmidt. <laughs> it um, all comes together, you know? <laughs> yes. All right. So along the way, you had some kids. Where did you meet your partner? I met my husband, Freddie, at the Beach Club in Santa Monica, 4th of July weekend. Uh, Wait a second, the Annenberg Beach Club? The one next door to it, actually, oh. directly next door, called the Beach Club. But oh. that was in 
would have been really cool if I would have been. Continuing the Annenberg theme, yeah. <laughs> I met him there when I was 23. Things were high and tight. Things were looking good. And yeah, we've been dating and together ever since then, actually. So. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And as a kid, did you think about motherhood? Yes. When did, yes. You were one of those, like. Those. Was one of those. I have always wanted to be a mom and I loved my baby dolls and babysitting my cousins and taking care of babies and would babysit and nannied a little bit when I was answering phones at the ad agency supplement my income and I just always always wanted to be a mom so I was really excited about that oh, the patron came later <laughs> tequila came later <laughs> <laughs> and then what about Freddie was it a conversation early on yeah I think he comes from a family I mean of he's one of four boys and I think you know that was always something that we wanted to it was hardly even a discussion because I think we both just valued family so much and our siblings. And so, yeah, it was clear from the beginning that we definitely wanted to have kids. But luckily, because I met him when I was 23, it wasn't something that needed to come up, you know, right away. Neither did marriage, actually. So, you know. <laughs> He's one of four boys and you're one of? Three. One of three. I have an older sister and a younger brother. Oh, the middle child. I'm really earning my keep, you know. Oh, nice. Yeah, keeping the rep. <laughs> Which one of four is he? He is the third in line of four. Okay, so the second middle child. Yes. So to speak. Kind of. <laughs> okay, so the middle's a trap. And then at some point, you go ahead and get pregnant with your first kid. We um, got married first, yeah, but we did. Well, after that point. After that point, we got pregnant, and I was really lucky. I got pregnant right away and had no issues during that first pregnancy. and was 29 so on the west side of los angeles it's like a teen pregnancy so seriously (laughs) (laughs) so poor thing yeah i was really solo though i mean it was awesome but i definitely felt like i was the only person pregnant no one in my friend group was you know pregnant let alone married so i definitely didn't have like a big group of moms around me or you know giving me information for better or for worse where'd you get support from um i don't know that i feel like in my first pregnancy, I did a whole lot for support. I kind of just kept going, like working and did a couple of classes at the hospital, but I definitely didn't read a lot. I kind of like had an ignorance as bliss approach to the pregnancy. For birth or pregnancy as a whole? I think both. I don't think that I went into the birth knowing anywhere near as much as I should have. But now that I'm older and wiser, I can say that, you know, like you don't know what you don't know. And I think I kind of thought that millions of women get pregnant and have babies. So it just is what it is. And that's all there is to it. I had no idea. But you plan to have the baby at the hospital, right? (laughs) Yes. Because some people don't, uh, right? Because it could be a hospital, a birth center, home, strawberry field, whatever you want. You chose hospital with a doctor. Yes, at Cedar sinai with a doctor, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it sounds like the assumption was at some point you'll go to labor, go into the hospital and have your kid. Exactly, yes. That is exactly what I thought. And did you go into labor spontaneously? I did go into labor. It was a little past my due date. Went into labor and went to the hospital and was just progressing very slowly. And so... 
I let them break my water. And then I think from there, it kind of all went south in regards to the not north. Not like the baby was moving south. The baby didn't go south. Like the, the whole labor experience went south. <laughs> the experience went to sh- literally. Uh, <laughs> oh, I speak French. <laughs> well, that sounds like an excellent point to take a break. <laughs> Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with the What She Said show. Hey everyone, it's Dr. Berlin, and I want to talk to you about something that is close to my heart, literally, omega-3. It's a crucial nutrient that's sadly overlooked. With 95% of women deficient, Needed, the supplement brand I trust, created their brand new omega-3 soft gels. Designed by perinatal experts, they support you and your baby's well-being from fertility to pregnancy and beyond. Unlike other brands, Needed's Omega-3 is sustainable, pesticide-free, and third-party tested for purity. Plus, my favorite, it has a milder taste and smell, perfect for sensitive mamas. Don't wait. Visit thisisneeded.com and use code BERLIN to get 20% off your initial order. Experience the needed difference, consciously crafted for your health and the planet. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the... Must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome back. We're talking to Kara Sutton, who you might remember from Apple. Anyway, <laughs> moving on. When we last talked, she easily got pregnant with her first child, had a smooth, blissfully ignorant pregnancy, and the plan was go to the hospital and push your kid out. You went into labor, went into the hospital, and they broke your water. You were a little bit past your due date. And after you broke your water, you said it turned into a show of sorts. <laughs> what yes. happened? And I mean that literally because I realized that the baby had gone to the bathroom in, in the uterus. And so there poop. was some the first poop. poop. There's some meconium. And then once that water bag was broken, her heart rate started to really decelerate. And they were having a tough time getting it back. At that point, I'd already gotten an epidural. So I felt really helpless just laying there with a baby's heart rate decelerating, not, you know, able to move into different positions or do anything and just kind of feeling really ignorant in regards to what was happening. A lot of nurses were rushing in, doctors were rushing in. It felt panicked on everyone's faces. And so it seemed like they couldn't get the heart rate back. People were like pushing on my stomach and I was like, are they doing CPR like on the baby? Oh, <laughs> I, don't know, I don't even know if that's a thing, but that's where my brain went. So. I mean, were there options at that moment? Not at that point. So once the bag was broken and, you know, my uterus was contracting and sort of pushing her out, the cord was around her neck and she just started to lose her heart rate. And so the doctor looked at me and just said, like, we need to do a C-section right now. And because I had not read up on anything, I just was like, oh, okay, like, yep, let's do a C-section. And so I was sort of Grey's Anatomy style, rushed down the hallway. Oh, um, 
hair blowing in the wind. <laughs> yeah, it was dramatic. It felt like everything you'd seen on ER and, you know, the cords are like hitting you in the head and no one even stops because it's like such a emergency. So it felt really not how I had envisioned my experience of labor going at all. Well, just a few questions. Do you remember how dilated you were at that point? I think I was four or five centimeters dilated, so not very far along. Second question, Um, was your husband able to come with you right away? Yes, he was with me the whole time, which was nice. He looked really worried and scared. I think we were both just kind of shocked at how quickly things turned, went, you know, from laying there and being in labor to just being in the OR and bright lights and just was like, okay, I'm in surgery. So that was very scary. I can't imagine the fear. What was it like physically? Physically, The surgery? I mean, I'd been on an IV for a while. So I was like pumped full of liquids. I felt huge. And they move you off of your like gurney type thing or whatever onto the operating table. And it's sort of like moving a small whale. And so they are like, one, two, three, and like throw you onto the table. Heave-ho. <laughs> yeah. Which is like really just feels like you really feel like a slab of meat just being thrown onto like a metal table. And then it was kind of like, can you feel this? Can you feel that? Okay. And then I'm sure there was like a knife in my stomach at that point. <laughs> it's just like, I can't feel it. And then, yeah, they cut you open and I could see everything that was happening in the reflection of like the glass thing that holds the baby. Oh, the little bassinet. Yes. So that was like to the right of me. So I could really see all the incisions, which was wild. And then they took her out and it was just like quiet in the room. And so the only thought in my head was like, oh, like she's not alive. Like that's what I. Oh my gosh. No cry, you mean? There's no cry? There's no cry. No one was saying anything. No one was like reassuring me that everything was fine or anything. So it just felt like you were in a car crash and you weren't sure if your passenger had made it. And you just were just sort of like, it's the only way I can explain it. And I felt so helpless because you're just relying on that point at hoping everything's fine. So it was not great. Luckily, she's fine. There was no brain damage, nothing. It was a class two emergency, I guess, at a class three the baby or you don't make it, I think. And so, yeah, it was scary, but she was totally fine. They stitched me back up. I just was so out of it from being on so many different drugs and wrapping my head around what had happened. So I was able to hold her, you know, as soon as they stitched me back up, basically. So, you know, you're a very positive person. I love your sense of humor. I think you're (laughs) funny and light. And I can feel the trauma and the situation coming through you if I'm reading you right, and it's different than, you know, other people who wear their emotions on the sleeve. Yeah. But this sounds like it was really, really hard for you. Very, very scary. And yeah, I had never had surgery before, but nothing too traumatic has ever happened to me up until this point in my life. And so that was one of, I think, the scariest moments for sure. Now I have a gazillion questions about postpartum and feeding and motherhood, but we're on a schedule here with a mission. So at some point you have another kid. Did you achieve the pregnancy quickly again? Yes. Got pregnant again fast with my second one and was really excited. Found out it was another girl. We were in the midst of COVID. So it was the top of, I think I got pregnant in April, 2020. So COVID had just hit in March and I thought I was through or had processed the trauma of that first 
delivery with my first baby, but how much later was it? April, 2020, a year and a few months. So my daughter, yeah, was like 13 or 14 months old. Okay. And since then, like literally the world had just fallen into a panicky lockdown, you know, doomsday situation, which I love that you just decided, you know what, let's have another kid. You know what? I gained like eight pounds at the top of COVID with a lot of people. And I was like, let's just take this all the way. Like, let's just, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, why stop here? Like, let's make this 40, you know, like, yeah. let's like, go for I it. it. Like, yeah, once we're on the roll. All social events are canceled. There's no weddings and photo moments close to fit into. So got pregnant. I mean, brilliant, Kara. Brilliant. A lot of people didn't see it that way. Inside, gain some LBs, bake a baby. Like, what else am I going to do during COVID? So. so smart. Okay, so you're pregnant and you're still traumatized from the birth. How did that express itself? What did you feel? I felt like the further I got in the pregnancy, the more real the idea of going back to that place of like labor again and the possibility of it happening again or something going wrong started to like really creep in i started getting kind of like anxiety when i would think about the actual delivery and labor of the baby and i kept hoping that the further along i got in the pregnancy that i'd be like okay like you can do this but that coupled with all of the craziness of 2020 and every day there was a new thing happening my husband couldn't come to any of the appointments. You couldn't really have doula or extra people in the room. So I decided to plan a C-section and just have a surgery to like remove the baby. <laughs> Is this to avoid having emergency surgery? Is this to just be more in control of the process? I think it was the latter to be more in control of the process and to not like worry, I guess, about something that could go wrong and have to experience that again. Like I had not fully, I think, worked through and let go of like what had happened. And so it just seemed easier, which sounds bad, but easier with COVID to just have a date where I was going to, you know, be cut back open and have. I don't know. I think it sounds pretty logical. I don't think there's a wrong way to go there, right? It's just whatever feels best to you. And then we support the choice that you make. Right. And my husband was super supportive and sort of, you know, was like, whatever you want to do, whatever feels comfortable to you, like I'm on board with. And so I was due on Christmas. So I had to figure out scheduling that C-section with the holiday schedule of doctors, which was challenging. So I ended up having my second one on 12-22. So a few days before Christmas. Wow. And how did the scheduled cesarean go? I mean, so different than the first, you know, like very regimented and planned and you show up to the hospital at this time in the morning and then you go into the operating room and it's all very, it feels like, I guess how, I don't know, but how it would feel to go into any planned surgery where you know the drill and people have talked to you ahead of time about what will happen and what well, you, you didn't get tossed onto the table like a slab of beef. <laughs> no slab of beat butcher's table vibes was more like yeah it was very civil <laughs> and yeah i mean very sterile though in regards to a birth experience it's, you know it's also covid so you can't have any visitors and you've got your mask on and you're just on the table awake sort of waiting for your baby to come out i guess is you know how i would describe it so huh. 
Interesting. Yeah, I mean, COVID throws a monkey wrench into things for sure. But I think that there's a lot of ways to make your abdominal birth beautiful and magical. And it sounds like that just wasn't, you know, either something that you thought to do, wanted to do, or just wasn't possible under all of the different circumstances. Yeah, I don't know. It just felt just very like surgical, very like, okay, like, you know, go in and I don't know. There wasn't a lot of emotion attached to it for me for that one. I don't know why in regards to the actual, not the baby, but just the actual like process of the delivery. It just the felt birth. Like, yeah, it felt like just like a surgery, I guess. Did you feel any different afterwards in the recovery or in the bonding? No, I mean, the bonding was fine with both babies and I was lucky to not have any postpartum depression or anxiety issues there. And they were both fine recovery wise. Like I think like you're sore and all the things, but I was up and around walking like right away and sort of moving. And so I recovered from both C-sections like pretty well, I guess, as well as it can go. There were no outstanding issues or hemorrhaging or anything like that. So. Hmm. Okay. So then were you planning to have four kids? I don't think so. <laughs> oh, okay. But you're definitely planning for more than two. Yes. I wasn't on my brain at the time, but I mean, I thought maybe we'd be done at two, but then after the second, we did end up wanting a third, you know, a few years later, once I'd gotten back to myself a little bit. So well, yeah, but there was no pandemic to camouflage. There's no excuse <laughs> for the weight game. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. So then the third pregnancy, was that also fairly quick? Yes. So I got pregnant in the fall of 2022 and I was excited, but I was also in the middle of throwing a big, big marketing like event tour with Ulta Beauty across multiple states. And so it felt to me like I was excited, but I was also like career-wise, this is a really tough time to be in the first trimester of a pregnancy where you're exhausted and sometimes throwing up and all that. And so I was excited, but I ended up having a miscarriage at close to 12 weeks, actually. I'm sorry, especially that's late. Yeah, it wasn't on my radar at all, especially because I'd never struggled with getting pregnant or keeping a pregnancy. So maybe I think I took that for granted a little bit and just, I don't know, it was not even really something I thought about. And then a few days before Halloween, I was actually dressed up like Elsa from Frozen, which was great. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I had a miscarriage, but while you were dressed up like Elsa, <laughs> like I started cramping pretty badly when I was dressed like Elsa. And keep oh in mind, I have two other little girls with me that are also dressed up like Disney princesses. So my husband was out of town, and so I just oh my goodness, <laughs> focused on making them dinner and getting them to bed. And then once I got them to bed, I just sort of knew what was happening, and I got in the bathtub, and yeah, like just miscarried and pushed out the placenta. <laughs> oh, wow. So, yeah. And it was weird, but it was also really healing for me. And I think one of the main things that made me want to do a VBAC and made me trust my body again, like there was no part of me the entire time that I was cramping and having the miscarriage that was like fearful. I was just like, I knew it was happening. And I like trusted that my body was getting rid of that, you know, because it wasn't a viable pregnancy. And so it felt, it was like painful and obviously like sad, but it also felt like I trusted my body again. 
So. Wow. I'm having so many different floods of thoughts and emotions. I cannot imagine anything about what that was like and somehow empowering for you. Yeah. I don't know why that's my takeaway on it. That's like, I think strange, but. I mean, when you think about moms, like sweet Jesus, Moses, Muhammad, all of them, how you fed your kids and put them to sleep and went into your bathtub to deliver essentially your yes miscarriage and then also be like yeah my body's powerful and strong and now i trust her again and your husband's out of town yes and he was on an airplane so i you know i knew he was in the air i didn't want to scare him with hey i'm having a miscarriage in the bathtub so i waited until he landed and then was like hey don't freak out everything's fine but honestly i'm glad he wasn't there i think he would have been like, we need to call an ambulance because there's a lot of blood, you know, and in a bathtub. In the bathtub, it's, yeah. It's like, like a cho- lot of blood. Like you can't see your like legs because there's so much blood. In, well, you know? it's a little bit like chocolate milk. Once you put in a couple of drops of Hershey's and stir, <laughs> it's just, it's just chocolate. <laughs> it's not milk anymore. So um, right. So, wow. And that was wild. I mean, I could see the fetus in the. Yeah. So you're not like a TMI kind of person, but my mind does curiously wonder. What do you do with that clump of cells? Slash- so like, it was really painful. I don't know who ever is like, oh, it's like having like period cramps. It felt like heavy contraction. Your body's pushing something out. And then I just visualized the pain leaving my body. When I looked down, I had delivered the placenta, I mean, at 12 weeks. And I started crying and I was really sad and just like, this is gross. But I just like held it and looked at it and then saw the baby in there or like what would have been the baby. And then I just flushed it down the toilet. No, I mean, it's, I mean, it's fair. What are you going to do with that? I, mean, I don't know. I, I had no idea what to do. I just like kind of like sat there. I was like, okay. You know what I mean? Wow. My heart right now goes out to you so much. And I think you're incredible. I think all the moms are incredible, but you're just such a powerful, incredible person. If I launch a giant brand, I'm definitely coming to hunt you down. <laughs> You already have informed okay. podcast. Uh, so this is not worthy of you. All right. Well, now you're pregnant again. So yeah. let's take a little break and we'll get into this pregnancy and what you're planning cool. for birth in the next few days or so. Sounds we'll be good. right back. Welcome back to the Informed Pregnancy Podcast. We're talking to Kara Sutton. I know you embraced your body with that miscarriage, but have you more deeply embraced Frozen, or is that now a dissociated (laughs) princess for you? I find the strength in Elsa. And yeah, I have no hard feelings towards Frozen. It's still on repeat in the house. And so. Uh, All right. Well, and here we are. You're building a new snowman, so to speak. Exactly. Which is wild. I am due just two days after my miscarriage from last year. So it's pretty full circle that I lost the baby, you know, and then got pregnant again in February, 2023. And now I am due like just a few days from when I lost the baby last year. So it just feels very, I don't know, it feels like right. So it's good. Was another quick conception? Yep. Okay. So that's your thing. And according to my mother in law. (laughs) Well, according to everyone, really. Did you have in the first trimester any concerns, like anxieties about because you had had that miscarriage? Um, 
No, but I will say I had a greater sense of gratitude for what was taking place after seeing what your body is doing in the first trimester when you're kind of ignoring it and you don't look pregnant and you're just moving through life, especially if you have other children. I had a definite sense of gratitude, like, wow, I know a lot's happening there because I've seen what it's building. Yeah, literally at that point. Wow. Yeah, I'd be afraid to go to my toilet, I think. I don't know. I'm such a weak person. Anyway. (laughs) so pregnant quickly and then now with this one i mean do you know what you're having yes i'm having a third girl another girl yes so maybe there will be a fourth maybe not who knows i don't know see how this one goes we'll see how this goes we'll see how this goes we can negotiate later we don't have to (laughs) (laughs) all right so now you're planning v back after two so many questions about that did you research risks and benefits was it hard to find support for vba2c among medical staff do you have concerns about it how do you feel if for one reason or another it turns into a third cesarean i'll turn the floor to you um i decided i wanted to do a vbac pretty early on in the pregnancy i just felt like a third cesarean and reopening all of those same sort of scars would be not ideal. Um, I started listening to a really great podcast called the VBAC link and great resource, great resource. And just loved hearing other women's stories about it and having VBAC and VBAC specifically after two cesareans and how it went. And they also have a great Facebook community to, you know, Instagram with just like lots of info. And I felt pretty empowered hearing all of that. So yeah, I read a lot. And then my friend who had AV back said that she had found a doctor who was really sort of known for VBACs. The VBAC king. VBAC king, Dr. Brock <laughs> at Cedars. So I went to him and was like, hey, you know, I'm pregnant. And <laughs> what do you think about, you know, VBAC? And he's like, oh, like, you know, here's, here's the risk goes up with each VBAC. The most I would do is a VBAC after two cesareans. And so I think you're a good candidate. Like you are healthy and young and I think you're, you know, fine to do it. And so. That sounds like humor. (laughs) It helps. It helps. Yes. You laugh a lot. So you're, you know, anyways, so I was like, okay, so we're going to do this. So then once I decided that I was going to do it, I kind of went, you know, full into it, like got recommended to you, you know, started listening to the podcast, started reading Ina May's books on, you know, oh yeah, went deep, went full bore. <laughs> went, Wait, so um, are you thinking about doing unmedicated? Yes, I am. Okay. Oh, I good. mean, that's the goal. Like I would like to have an unmedicated as like low in- intervention as possible birth. And part of that is because when I had that first emergency C-section, I think I mentioned once the baby's heart rate started decelerating and I'd already had the epidural, I just felt so helpless. Like I couldn't get up Mm. and move into a different position or walk around or like, you know, change positions to get the weight off of the baby. I just felt insanely dependent, which I hate on the medical staff to just figure it out. And so I ideally would like to not be in that situation ever again and feel a sense of control or sense of empowerment, I guess, to be, you know, really a part of it. Are you concerned about the intensity of labor? I mean, you had some before your first epidural. Um, 
I'm not concerned about it. I think that it will probably be painful. And I think that if I ultimately want or need to get an epidural, that won't be like a failure in my brain. But I guess I'm just going to go in with the idea that I can do this and that everything I need to have this baby is in me and that I can, you know, I know a lot more now than I did, I guess, with the first one. I also have a really great doula, Leah Burquist from Your Natural Birth. She's great. And so I've made my husband do a 12-week Bradley Method course with me. So he's very well-versed in my (laughs) vision. So yeah, I think I can say with all confidence that I've done everything possible to set myself up for hopefully a great experience that goes well and, you know, doesn't result in a C-section. With that being said, there's so much that could happen and, you know, we don't know. So <laughs> so a few things. Number one, Dr. Brock doesn't require uh, epidural for VBAC after two. I don't think so. We definitely haven't discussed that okay he may not i I know he does for breach but i don't know if he does for vmac or vmac after two next question is usually people go into a birth with some combination this is by observation some combination of excitement and anxiousness are you feeling any of that i'm feeling only excitement and i don't know why maybe the anxiousness will kick in when i'm actually having the contractions but could be the adjustments. It's probably the adjustments. I feel good. I feel <laughs> not anxious. I feel just really excited to experience. There's so few things in life that are like actually a new experience, truly. And so this is something that I'm excited for. And, you know, I think I can do and, you know, watch me come back and record this podcast and be like, No, it didn't go well. (laughs) No, I think it's going to go amazing however it goes. Yeah. How I feel. I think you have a a great open mind and a great plan. And you're surrounded by wonderful people. And I think you'll have a great birth, whether it'll be cesarean or vaginal remains to be seen. But I think you have everything going for you. So if I had to bet a dollar, I would bet in your favor and feel good about my bet. I feel like there's a sense of determination there too with women who are going for VBAC where, I mean, you're really going in trying to make something happen a certain way. So um, yeah, we'll see. And that's not COVID now. So you get to bring people with you. Camera crew. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I guess sort of towards the closing, I know Ainami points out a lot about how birth, you know, the scene, the setting, everything around you kind of affects you and some of the things that you do kind of put you in more of an adrenaline kind of fight or flight response some things put you more in a pitocin e sort of pleasure response are there things that you are deliberately doing to sort of trigger the latter more of a oxytocin driven you know pleasure hormone driven pregnancy just in terms of what you might wear who's going to be around you what kind of lighting uh what kind of sense are those things that you're considering yes i'm you know going fully into the mind space of ideally what would be a nice birth experience so dimmed lights asking for low voices 
bringing an eye mask. I think I'm going to attempt to just very much go inward essential oils and really just focus on laboring and, you know, all of that to shut out as much of the hospital sort of vibe as possible, I guess. Do you see a specific role for your husband and for your doula? Yes, I think my husband is there for counter pressure and to support me and knows me really, really well. So to sort of help read my emotions. And I think the doula is there to help suggest other positions or to suggest other ways of managing the pain if, you know, relaxation isn't working, but other maybe potential, you know, positions. So she's the pro in that space. And so I would trust her, I guess, with those types of suggestions to try to make it all happen. <laughs> Which oils will you bring? I was actually just on Amazon right before this, like just looking around. I think I'm going to bring lavender for relaxation and peppermint for energy. And I don't know, maybe a few others. I could do an orange zest potentially. Yeah, citrus. I like citrus to add to that mix. Citrus. Yeah, I could do that. Get down um, doTERRA or something. And so gonna... Oh, yeah. doTERRA <laughs> also has one called balance and one yes. called elevation they can play a nice role in how you feel okay that's a good one for me to get so what's on the playlist so i'm gonna make two i think one is going to be high energy like jay-z vibes <laughs> yeah the other i assume that's what he had in mind when he made his music <laughs> he definitely wanted like his gangster music to me yes be back <laughs> be back baby so I think I'll have one that's like more of how I have like workout playlists or like I ran a half marathon and it was like high energy vibes like that. So I'm going to do one like that. And then the other one is going to be more chill, relaxing style music. But I'm afraid that might annoy me. That's why I'm making two because I, I could see that bothering me. I don't know why. Do you want to build a snowman? I don't know if this is too <laughs> soon. Was- okay, so... <laughs> I could just come serenade you. I think that my observation is on the earlier part of labor, people like to listen to like empowering music that has lyrics that are familiar to them. Okay. And like you can sort of sing along with it and it has messages for you that are I'm strong, I'm healthy. Towards the middle, it's and everyone's different, just food for thought sort of meditative music i've seen everything from like african drumming like just hours of african drumming to kind of let your conscious mind shut down and go into that limbic part of your brain that you give birth from or something just repetitive um like the doors just going on and on (laughs) and then for the third part is sometimes where i think that the more energy music might come in like at the end of you know a non-externally medicated birth i only say that because you make a ton of your own meds in your body that are very cool and if you could bottle them and sell them would probably do really well (laughs) and at the end sometimes if it's been a journey you know energy is low and so to kind of put on the faster track I've, i've seen people one of the more comical ones was someone who she looked like she had zero energy left to move a muscle and it was time to push and they put on a uh, salt and pepper 
like push it like push it exactly <laughs> and the, like at first her fingers started to kind of move around dun, 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 and then her whole hand and then she got up and she was moving around and i was like push it real good i'm like okay makes that's sense me. yeah <laughs> anyway i don't know if that's the first that's thing helpful that. i think it's helpful to think of it in stages for sure like that so that by the time i'm in the third stage it's you know that high energy and you just have options i would add something else to that list which is some stand-up comedy Okay. because you do have such a good sense of humor and if fear does kick in it's you like can't laughing. really be laughing and afraid at the same time it's a great way to tell your buddy we're not in danger this is intense but we're not in danger right and then a notepad right now it says african drumming comedy <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah somebody finds that elevation balance and no frozen <laughs> although i did a frozen parody for labor and delivery you did yeah, Wait, you want a little taste of it? Yeah. It goes like this. Uh, let it go, let it go. Don't hold on anymore. Let it go, let it go. Relax your pelvic floor. I don't care as long as I don't tear. You <laughs> did this to me. I'm not talking to your mother anymore. Something like that, you know. You need to get that trademarked ASAP. Like that—that <laughs> that is what they should be teaching in these Disney movies for young girls. Is those types of lessons. <laughs> you and me both think that way. I guess my last piece here is so. In terms of if you're a runner, have you thought about what you want to wear? Um, I always said if you're a runner, because one choice is the oversized unisex hospital memo, which doesn't make most people feel very empowered. Yes, I'm not wearing that. So. But- but as yeah. a runner, sometimes athletic people like to wear athletic clothing. You look yourself in the mirror and you're like, I'm, I'm going to be wearing a sports bra because it's yes. an event and something comfortable, but I don't know what yet. I haven't found the outfit. I found a great newborn first look outfit and then I, have to- <laughs> but I haven't figured out. But I do know I definitely don't want to wear the like hospital gown because I agree oh, with suggestion. You. Yeah, please. Sundress. A sundress that doesn't feel empowering to me that feels like dainty no oh i don't know i think that if you feel like you look good in it and you look in the mirror you're like wow i look good i'm strong positive healthy not sick not dependent but the reason i say sundress is because if it has that effect on you then it could be a good choice if it makes you feel dainty then no but it has access Or anything they need to do, or you know, if you have monitors on you or a anything like that. Linen, I could see like a chic linen moment could be good. You know. Yes, I feel like a line is developing right now in your mind <laughs> to precede the menopause line. <laughs> yeah, of, exactly. Like a V back, uh, like a chic V back, like short, sort of breezy linen, slightly utilitarian dress that I could look good in in a favorable color. And also deliver a baby in. So yes, I've also seen paired with the sports bra, like a little tennis skirt. That's cute. I could get into that. Mm -hmm. I couldn't get into that, but it's not about me. (laughs) Yeah, it would actually probably have a hard time getting into it in this current body, but (laughs) that's low under the belly. All right. Do you have a prediction? How big were your first two? They were tiny, six, nine, and six, seven or so. So six pounds, seven ounces. What do you predict on this one? 
I think this one's a little bigger. I think seven pounds, two ounces. Oh, nice. Okay. <laughs> I was going for an even 7.0, but then it sounds like an earthquake. So let's go 7.2. So two. <laughs> and then do you have any prediction? You know, you're already 39 weeks in two days. Is anything happening yet? Is there like any mucus plug or surges? No. No, no action. Okay. Have you been checked, like your cervix? I have an appointment tomorrow, but okay. I might not do the cervical check. I might just wing it. Just might pass on that and see when this happens. I don't know. I don't know. I think maybe after Halloween. So maybe next week. Okay. Do you have a costume for Halloween? <laughs> I'm usually very creative around Halloween, but there's not a lot to do with this body right now. There is, but we're being witches like my four-year-old daughter my two-year-old daughter they're super into hocus pocus they're gonna be witches and i'm just going to wear essentially a black moo and call it a day i love it okay it's my favorite costume <laughs> i think that's all the questions kira yeah i really appreciate you i love talking to you and i'm inspired by you i say that sometimes not all the time but i'm really inspired by you. you've been through a lot and you just have such a great attitude that's and fun. energy Oh, we're all going to get gushy. Um, no, no, no. You hang up. Okay. No, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you again. And I look forward to connecting with you after this baby comes, which maybe is tomorrow, and finding out the rest of this story. Awesome. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. And at home, thanks for listening to Informed Pregnancy. For more pregnancy, parenting, information, visit informedpregnancy.com. I got a whole lot of questions for you.